Move by Mamma Mia is the exercise app for anybody, anywhere. And in case you missed it, we dropped a brand new stretching collection that can be used to improve mobility and bookend your favourite sweat sessions. Mamma Mia subscribers get unlimited access to Move and we drop new workouts every single week. If you're on the hunt for movement that makes you feel good, head to move.mamamia.com.au and use the code MOVE10 to get $10 off a yearly subscription. You're listening to a Mamma Mia podcast. Mamma Mia acknowledges the traditional owners of land and waters that this podcast is recorded on. From Mamma Mia, I'm Alfie Scott filling in for Claire Murphy. Welcome to The Quickie, getting you up to speed daily. Nearly five months ago, Hollywood writers went on strike, bringing the TV and movie industry to a standstill. The Writers Guild of America, which represents more than 11,000 screenwriters, led the demands for better pay, staffing minimums and protections against AI on the work of writers. Now, after a tentative deal was reached with entertainment companies over the weekend and accepted on Wednesday, writers are free to return to work this week. Breaking news, one Hollywood strike will be over at midnight. A short time ago, the WGA negotiating committee voted unanimously to recommend the tentative agreement between Hollywood writers and studios. This has been one of the longest strikes in the Writers Guild's history. So what has it achieved? What does the deal outline? And what does all of this mean for us as TV and movie watchers for the rest of 2023? Today, we're going to look at the writers' strikes and what writers managed to negotiate for themselves after months of protesting. But first, your news headlines for Thursday, September 28th. Australian universities have slid in this year's global rankings and experts are saying that underinvestment in research as well as an inability to attract international talent are to blame. The University of Melbourne is now Australia's only university in the top 50 of the Times Higher Education's World University Rankings, which grade over 1,900 universities from 108 countries. Monash University has lost 10 places to come in at 54th, and the University of Sydney ranks 60th after falling six places from last year. Times Chief Global Affairs Officer Phil Batty said that the latest data held warning signs for Australia's university sector, saying that real attention is needed to ensure that Australia continues to be open to international talent, including the right policy incentives. Meanwhile, the UK's University of Oxford, as well as Stanford University and the Massachusetts Institute of Technology, both in the US, took out the top three places. The Disability Royal Commission's final report and recommendations are set to be released on Friday after more than four years and hearing from thousands of Australians. The long-awaited final report from the Royal Commission is set to be handed to the Governor-General ahead of its public release before it's tabled in Parliament by the government. Since it was established in April of 2019, the Royal Commission has heard from more than 10,000 Australians, with people sharing experiences of violence, abuse, neglect and exploitation. People with Disability Australia President Nicole Lee said the report should highlight the human rights breaches experienced by people living with a disability in every state and territory, and called for robust laws to ensure that people's rights are upheld. New research shows that 43% of First Nations communities in Australia have no mobile coverage at all, making them some of the most digitally excluded people in the world. 
Researchers for the Mapping the Digital Gap project said that with government and other services moving online, it was crucial that all Australians could access digital technology. The project is working across 12 remote First Nations communities for four years and aims to address a significant lack of data about the digital gap between remote Indigenous communities and other places in Australia. RMIT Senior Research Fellow Daniel Featherstone said that everybody should have the opportunity to benefit from digital technologies because of their role in informed decision-making and agency. The largest climate case to ever be heard by the European Court of Human Rights has kicked off this week, with six young people from Portugal taking over 30 European governments to court. The young people, aged between 11 and 24, are arguing that the government's failure to act fast enough on climate change is a violation of their human rights, taking into account the wildfires and heatwaves that struck Portugal last year. The case includes 27 EU member states, as well as Britain, Switzerland, Norway, Russia and Turkey. The court hearing started on Wednesday and a ruling is expected in the first half of 2024. If the complaint is upheld, it could result in orders from national courts for governments to cut carbon dioxide emissions faster than currently planned. And higher fuel prices are driving more Australians to shop for hybrid and electric cars. A survey released by Finder has found that 2 million electric and hybrid vehicles are expected to hit Australian roads over the next year, as high petrol prices push consumers to buy low-emissions cars. Australia has been slower on the uptake of electric vehicles than other countries, but the results of the survey indicate that the statistics of new electric vehicles being purchased are moving closer to countries like New Zealand and the UK. Over 19,000 hybrid and electric vehicles were sold in August this year, which was 8,000 more vehicles compared to August 2022. That's your latest news headlines. In a moment, today's deep dive into the end of the writer's strike and what it means for TV and movies for the rest of 2023. So we're in an old contract for a new new type of business and it's just not working. The Writers Guild of America strike kicked off back in early May after six weeks of trying to negotiate better pay and working conditions. Every three years, the Writers Guild has to negotiate a new contract with the Alliance of Motion Picture and Television Producers which represents big companies like Disney, Paramount, Netflix and Apple. But this time around, Writers Guild members voted en masse to authorise a strike because they couldn't reach an agreement. The strike meant that over 60 TV shows, including fan favourites like Abbott Elementary, Stranger Things, Saturday Night Live and Yellow Jackets, have been put on hold. The Guild said that writers were facing an existential crisis and entertainment companies had been devaluing the profession of writing. There were a couple of major sticking points that the writers were fighting for. Firstly, TV and movie writers are usually paid residuals when shows and movies are rerun on networks, but that system hasn't been extended in recent years for streaming platforms. That means that companies have been able to take a larger share of profits when shows are published on streaming platforms and writers can end up making very little. It also means that even though streamers are making a lot of television shows and movies and there are a lot more jobs available in Hollywood than ever before, writers are actually making a lot less. In fact, writer pay has declined about 4% in the past decade, which, after adjustments for inflation, amounts to a 23% decrease in pay. 
The Writers Guild were also fighting against the boom of so-called mini-rooms, which are smaller versions of writers' rooms that are used to cut down on staff and mean that writers are given shorter-term contracts. The union argued that this was turning writing into a gig economy and cutting down hugely on writers' earning potential. On top of this, the Writers Guild were also seeking protections against the use of AI, saying that they don't want emerging tech to affect their prestige and pay. The union said that they were open to its use, but only insofar as it could be used as a tool by writers and never a replacement for them. Basically, they don't want to be competing with computers for Oscars in the future. The strike was a long and bitter dispute, and it shone a light on the extreme pay inequality in the entertainment industry. The CEOs of companies like Warner Brothers, Netflix and Walt Disney were targeted by strikers who pointed to wild increases in their pay while writers' pay packets shrunk. For example, David Zaslav, the CEO of Warner Brothers, was paid a staggering $498 million US million between 2018 and 2022. Now, after nearly 150 days of striking, the Writers Guild of America have finally struck an agreement with the Alliance of Motion Picture and Television Producers. The deal was tentatively published over the weekend, but it was accepted during the week after a member vote, and from midnight on Wednesday this week, Hollywood's writers were free to return to work. It's been widely welcomed by the writers, as well as the Screen Actors Guild, who represent actors and broadcasters and have been striking alongside them. On Monday, US President Joe Biden even issued a statement saying that he applauds the agreement, calling it a testament to the power of collective bargaining. So what does the deal actually say? And what does it mean for the TV and movie industry for the rest of 2023? Laura Brodnick is Mamma Mia's head of entertainment and host of The Spill podcast. Laura, what does the Writers Guild deal actually say? Do you mind walking me through the details? So it was broken down to three main issues. One of the biggest sticking points was always the use of artificial intelligence in scripts. So basically what the Writers Guild were pushing against was this idea of having all scripts written by AI and then having a human writer, like so one person in the writer's room, be the person to really smooth it over. They were also working towards residual payments for shows on streaming platforms because as the agreement previously stood, you could write a script that would go on for a network show and you get paid for that, but you wouldn't get paid any money from the show going onto a streaming platform where it could be seen by thousands more people, but writers weren't getting the money for that. They were also pushing for staffing minimums in writers' rooms on TV shows, so a minimum from six to 12 writers instead of just having a few people there to kind of go over AI scripts. So they were the three big sticking points in the deal. And did they manage to actually rectify those issues in the agreement? Yes, so the agreement's only been voted on today that the Writers Guild has accepted the terms. The full agreement hasn't been released to writers yet, but it's thought that they've sort of met them on most of the sticking points. So they've come to an agreement with AI and how that's going to work with scripts. They've come to an agreement on paying revenue to writers and also for the staffing minimums. And what does this mean now for shows? Will shows be returning pretty quickly? Like, what is the landscape going to look like? 
So not all shows. It'll sort of be a little bit of a domino effect because the Screen Actors Guild strike is still in progress. But the first thing to lift was taking writers off the picket lines where they have been for the last 148 days while the strike has been going on. And now that the vote has officially gone through to accept these terms, writers have been allowed to go back to their previous work. So before this, they weren't allowed to pitch. They weren't allowed to sell any scripts. They weren't even allowed to take meetings or even give notes on previous work. Nothing like that. So all of that activity has resumed. With the actors on strike, though, there will be a holdup with scripted TV and films coming back. But what we'll probably see first is the return of things like talk shows. So it's already been said that a show like Saturday Night Live could be back in just a matter of days because the writers can resume on that because it's not a scripted show in the strictest sense like a drama. The only hold up there will be is that there is talk that some writers will still maintain their strikes from some shows in solidarity with the actors, but the first thing we'll see coming back will be talk shows. Can you talk to me a little bit about what the Actors Union are looking for with their strike and how long it's anticipated that that will go on for? Yeah, so they've been on strike now for 73 days and apparently they are going back to the negotiating table, but it'll be a little while is what we're hearing from those Guild members before they can strike a deal. So the actors are looking for some similar things from the writers. So one of the biggest sticking points with them is a bigger revenue generated by streaming shows. So similar to the writers, an actor could be on a network show and they would get paid for that and that would get seen by a certain amount of people. But right now what they're not seeing is any revenue from these shows going on to streaming services. And what we kind of know from these streaming services is that that opens them up to a whole new audience globally when some shows maybe were just shown in one or two countries. And so streaming networks are making a huge amount of money off these actors' work, but they don't get any residuals from that. What they're also looking for is pay increases. And when we say pay increases, we're not talking about the kind of big Hollywood movie stars negotiating their multi-million dollar network deals or picture deals or anything like that. We're talking about actors who do more things like day rates or guest stars, because the thing about these unions is both in the Actors Guild and the Writers Guild, only about 14% of the members actually make enough money to qualify for things like health insurance. So it's these people who are really living on minimum wage that are the ones who are pushing this through, not the big actors who are making millions of dollars. So they're looking for things like daily pay increases, pay increases for guest spots, and also to keep that in pace with inflation, which it previously hasn't been. They're also looking to ban AI, similar to the writers. So what the Screen Actors Guild is facing at the moment is networks and streaming services want to pay them a day rate to have them come in and sort of scan them and get their body likeness and then use that body likeness in projects going forward. But instead of getting paid every time their likeness is used in a movie or a TV show, they would have just been paid the standard day rate. So what they're looking now is to kind of try and keep AI out of acting as much as they can, but in cases where it is used, for them to get paid every time their likeness is used, not just the one day. After such a long strike, with people taking some really hefty financial hits, can we see this as a victory for the writers? Is it being broadly celebrated? 
Oh, absolutely. All of the press that has been put out by the Writers Guild has been incredibly positive. All of the writers who are part of that guild who have been protesting in the streets, who have been really talking about this on their social media channels and who are part of the negotiating committee have all been celebrating, especially now that it's been voted to pass through. Like every deal, I'm sure they didn't get every single thing they were asking for, but in terms of it changing their pay increases, the rights they have, how many people can be in writers' rooms, it looks like the agreement has really come out on their side. And also, this is the second longest writers' strike in history, but it's still been going for a huge amount of time. And for this whole time, none of these writers have been able to generate income, but they've also had to put projects on hold. They've probably lost out on jobs and have just really been out of work for an extended period of time. So there is a huge sense of celebration that this is going to enact real change in Hollywood and hopefully have a big flow-on effect to other areas within the business. Can I also ask, just looking at the other side of who they were negotiating with, has the Alliance of Motion Picture and Television Producers said anything about the deal? Only in terms that they're happy that the deal has been struck. Obviously, they've sort of had to come to the table with their own negotiations and especially people who are on the negotiating committee have said that it really took a long time to nail out these details and for both sides to get what they want. So it looks like going forward that both the Alliance and the Guild are happy with the outcome. But really what this economy really needs is for the writers to get back to their jobs because all of these studios and streaming services, even though there were a few projects still being made, the rest of the industry has very much been shut down and that's had a big flow and effect to all different areas. So it's thought that the Alliance is also very much in solidarity with this deal. The Quickie is produced by myself, Elfie Scott, and our executive producer, Callie Borg, with audio production by Tom Lyon. 